Hello, everybody. This is Andre, and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest for today is Shane Pounder, who is the VP of Operations and Marketing at Flip.com. And if you don't know Flip, Flip is a one-stop marketplace for digital savings and deals with over 5 million monthly active users. So these guys are pretty big in North America and Canada. Today, we'll discuss about customer behavior changes in the retail space, uh, online and offline, uh, but mostly focusing on online, as well as marketing strategy and processes when designing modern B2C customer journeys. So without further ado, hi Shane, how are you? How's everything going? Uh, Doing great. Uh, Happy New Year to you and uh, hope uh, you're doing well. Happy New Year to you as well. How how are things? How's how's the start of the year? Was it fresh? Was it different? Uh, How's business? Um, so things are things are good. Uh, we uh, we ended last year pretty pretty well. Uh, now where I am, we're in a bit of a lockdown right now due to the pandemic, and and mm-hmm. I think you guys are experiencing the same in the UK uh, pretty recently. Um, but my area of Canada has actually just gone into lockdown as well uh, back in December. Uh, so although that's not ideal, and it is it's definitely having an impact. Um, we're still moving along, and and the business is going well, and uh, looking forward to how twenty twenty one plays out. There's definitely reason for optimism. Looking forward, which is great. Awesome, awesome. That's the spirit. So um, tell us a bit, I mean, tell us all a bit more about Flip because uh, we have audiences that are like part of the audience is from America, North America, Canada and this side of the world. But we also have uh, European listeners from Australia as well. So just so everybody is on the same page, they understand what you guys are doing and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like what you uh, bring into the world. As a yeah, company. Absolutely. Um, so it's Flip with two Ps, uh, Flip. Um, and basically, our mission is to help shoppers provide for their families by making life more affordable. The way we look at it is that we're trying to reinvent the way people shop and, and help change the world of retail a bit here. And so what we are in particular is uh, we are a shopping app. Uh, where we bring circular ads or flyers or coupons and deals right to your phone, uh, to your computer, so that you can plan your weekly shopping trip and save time and money each week. Now, a bit of that depends on you know your geography, but here in North America, um, there's a, a big business around what we would call in Canada flyers or in, this, in the United States circulars. And this is where stores, uh, merchants will put together different deals on a weekly basis, bi-weekly, whatever. Uh, previously, it was all in print and they would go out and uh, we take that, we make it digital, make it interactive, um, put it all together and make it a lot easier for our users to our shoppers to shop. Mm-hmm. Super. So um, how do you uh, aggregate these? Like when somebody goes on the app, just so everybody gets a bit familiar with the process of uh, using the app and then uh, with the value proposition that you guys provide to the shoppers in the end. Um, so basically, this is pretty popular in the UK as well. In Europe, I know uh, East Europe is big on this. So um you basically scan these booklets or these flyers and then you put them on the app and then how do customers interact or navigate with this? Mm-hmm. They just identify them shops and then purchase? Yes. Or? So um, even going back into the process, it is it's less around scanning it. We actually work directly with most of our merchant partners. We bring in the files and we'll work with them around what is the best way to tell their stories online so, mm-hmm. the, so that we can actually add some value to it on the digital space versus just a print piece. Um, and then we pull it all together and we surface it for our users. Uh, so they can come onto the app and they can pick their, pick their favorite uh, merchants that they work with on a regular, or that they shop at on a regular basis. Um, and then there's a bunch of functionality on the app. So for example, there's a search feature. So if you know you're about to go to your grocery shop and this week um, you're looking for eggs, 
you put in eggs and it will tell you where those savings and deals are at all the uh, merchants in your uh, specific area. Mm -hmm. uh, what we also do is we work with our merchants in order to understand how to distribute those savings and deals. So with Canada and the U.S., a lot of our merchants will have variable deals depending on where it is in, in the country that the person lives. And so I can put in where I live here in Toronto and it will service it will surface the deals that are appropriate for me. So when I put in that eggs thing into the search piece, it will tell me for the 510 grocery stores in my neighborhood, these are the ones that have it on deal. Mm -hmm. Then there's other functionality around helping you build a shopping list. We've also got a watch list, which will allow you to put in certain items that you want to track to so that it's easy to go in and find those things when you want to be buying them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got other things where we'll work with, uh, we will bring in coupons uh, so we can match coupons to certain things so you can get even more savings. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways that we try and make it easier for people to look at uh, all their different options and, and do a, a better job of saving money on their shopping. Mm -hmm. Exciting. I have so many questions in my head. I can't wait <laughs> to go through all <laughs> for of them. Uh, let's see. Um, I mean, before anything, uh, let's introduce you a bit more to the audience so they understand your journey and, uh, you know, how, uh, how you are transforming the flip environment at the moment, as well as contribute to their planning in terms of operations, in terms of marketing, in terms of comps. So tell us a bit about you, uh, who is Shane and uh, <laughs> what's Shane up to in 2021? <laughs> So I'll, I'll give you the, the quick bio. Uh, I am an engineer by education, uh, finished uh, my university, went and started working in healthcare for a little while, actually doing finance and costing work uh, before determining that I needed to go back to business school, get a better vocabulary, did my MBA, finished that off. And then I've worked in a few different areas. Uh, my first job out was in strategy consulting, uh, working at Bain and Company. Uh, did a bunch of really interesting stuff there, including a couple really good marketing cases. One that kind of piqued my interest in in the world of the shopper mm -hmm. and and how they look at things and branding. I did some really interesting stuff around uh, recreational vehicles and customer segmentation that was kind of foundational to how I, I look at uh, marketing today. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, I uh, went and worked within uh, a consumer packaged goods company here called Maple Leaf Foods, mm -hmm. uh, which is a large Canadian uh, manufacturer, mainly on the protein side. Uh, but at the same time, we also had a bread company uh, where I was primarily focused doing work around customer, uh, sorry, skew rationalization, formulation, stuff like that, uh, so that we could do some big ne network consolidation work. So that was through Six Sigma. So I was a pure, more pure operations type at that point. And then I did a year doing uh, customer brand marketing within that, where we would work with major retailers, uh, help them uh, get their products out uh, under their own labels. Uh, so that was a, a really good experience on the commercialization side. Mm -hmm. After that, I did a stint in the strategy world at the Heart and Stroke Foundation. Uh, and that was, was looking for a change, something different. And uh, that was a kind of operational excellence role. It was around going in and help people do things better. So I worked with a lot of different teams, uh, including a, a couple of structure projects, worked with the marketing team around how can we streamline some different aspects of their work. And then after a couple of years of that, uh, I got a recruiter call uh, for Flip.com uh, or Flip, which was unexpected. Uh, I was about to start looking for something and this was a, a kind of serendipitous call. Uh, so they wanted somebody to come in and run their operations team. They were scaling and growing quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was also a seven-minute drive from my house, which helped. Nice. <laughs> and then the commute's excellent. Um, 
and took a run at it and uh, fortunately got the job. And so that would have been just over five years ago now. Mm-hmm. Came in starting on the operation side. Uh, so when we talk about kind of working with the retailers and bringing in their content and maneuvering it through that. So that was my team that would do all the leg work around that. And then in my time here, I was able to take on some additional responsibilities. Uh, we do content production where we'll work with different retailers. And instead of uh, them kind of just giving us all this stuff, we will work with them and help them build. And we're looking at how we can automate and streamline and improve some of those processes there, um, but also get them the content they want. And then earlier this year, um, I was given the opportunity to start uh, taking responsibility for the marketing team. Uh, so I've dabbled in and worked in marketing in very in different elements throughout my career. And so this is my first time kind of coming in and, and really leading the charge on the team. Mm-hmm. Super that's cool. how I got here. Nice. So five years, I think you managed to see many of the very fast paced, fast paced environment of, uh, you know, commerce changing and a lot of things that were very ra- rapidly moving. So, um, how was that from the f- from the apps point of view, like from the business, um, what do, what do you feel has radically changed in the past? Maybe not five, but maybe three years, as well as maybe focusing on last year because you know it was an unprecedented one. <laughs> but you know, a lot of things have changed and maybe accelerated as well in the e-commerce space. We saw that a lot with working with our clients. But I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it. How how did it feel from the inside? So there's there's a couple of different things I would highlight. Uh, first off, uh, our businesses were we're working both with the merchants and with uh, trying to build an app that is great for the shoppers. So we're mm-hmm. seeing kind of different things on both sides. So if you come at it more from the merchant perspective, what we're seeing is an, basically an acceleration from what historically would have been print type publications that would go out, go out through the mail and everything to the digital side. Um, A lot of uh, the retailers, especially the brick and mortar guys, have had to pivot very quickly. Um, And it was something that was already happening prior to the pandemic. But with the pandemic, we saw them move fast. Um, And where before they would be hardcore brick and mortar, a little bit of delivery or pre-order on the side. Mm -hmm. But then that move to kind of buy online, pick up in store was almost overnight. And, Mm -hmm. And watching some of our merchant partners very quickly turn on the infrastructure to be able to manage through some of that e-com work um, was pretty pretty extraordinary, um, going from that brick and mortar to a, a more of an omni-play. Um, and at the same time, in terms of their marketing and advertising efforts, we've also seen that shift. So before, where they were heavily reliant on print, we would see things like, uh, for example, in a grocery store uh, here in Canada and in the United States, you'd walk into the grocery store and they'd have the flyers sitting there for you to pick up so that you can browse and look at it. Well, people don't want to pick up paper right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. when they're out there. And so then they're moving faster to, okay, how can we get those more of those deals online, get more of those deals into the hands of our shoppers, give them different options to purchase um, and ways of actually getting that, um, and then kind of streamline that end-to-end process. And so that's been great for us because this is an area that we're working towards and the print-to-digital piece is exactly where we're situated. And so we're working closely with a bunch of those partners to help accelerate that. So that print-to-digital is one core thing on the merchant side. 
Mm-hmm. And then on the shopper side, we've seen some really interesting stuff. So we've done a little bit of analysis. Um, but uh, if if I couch it in kind of Black Friday, and and I think you guys run an equivalent uh, to that in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Black Friday is kind of a huge shopping day, American Thanksgiving. Um, and so we've done some research around how did things change uh, there. And we've been seeing shifts to online pretty significantly in the past few years. But this year, it was a huge shift uh, because people didn't want to go anywhere near a physical store. And so whereas before we would have seen kind of a slight in- increased number of amount of online, blah, blah, blah. Now it was kind of shift, shift big. And then a lot of people didn't want to go in store at all and would change most of their holiday shopping, Black Friday shopping to online. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's been a big shift um, that we've been trying to kind of support our retailers through, seeing how that played out for the, the major shopping experience. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the shoppers themselves, uh, because you guys are very much focused about, on as far as uh, I understand from our discussion now, focused on uh, bringing the deals and the best discounts to the end customers that use the app as an interface. So um, what do you think about price sensitivity here and how, and loyalty towards uh, you know retailers when people actually have the chance to buy from anywhere and the and distance is not an issue anymore because they mostly buy online and get delivered to the door We've definitely seen across the board that people are, are spending less and trying to save more right now. Um, and, and you'll see that even more highlighted in kind of the millennial and the Gen Z uh, or Gen Z uh, mm-hmm. generations uh, because they're already feeling strapped. You see it in the States. People are graduating with more and more debt and they're struggling to get jobs that are going to pay that off. And so people are becoming a lot more cognizant of, of how their dollars are going out. And so they're using tools like ours uh, in order to find whatever savings they can do uh, in order to kind of put a little bit more in the bank and, and try and save up for something uh, going forward. So we have definitely seen that shift where people are spending less. And even within Black Friday itself, uh, there was a, through some of our research, we saw that a lot less people were planning on shopping than before. Uh, on Black Friday, and they were trying to spend less. And our target shopper is a savings and deals shopper. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're looking at what our wheelhouse is, it's those people who are already thinking about where can I find a coupon, where can I get things cheaper? You know, if I go to, to grocery store X versus Y, can I save 20 bucks? Um, and this has just exacerbated that. So a lot more people uh, are concerned and worried about how the pandemic was going to impact them from a job perspective. And so they are being a lot more diligent and spending more time and more effort. And frankly, they've got a bit more time to spend looking for the deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes whether it's going online um, and finding an alternative through an online source versus going to a, a physical store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's... Let's look a bit at the customer journey, at your customer's journey when they when they do online shopping. Uh, this is very interesting for us and I'm sure for many of our listeners as well, because we do uh, work a lot as well in the e-commerce space. So I think uh, this is something that everybody's talking about these days, but customer journey. So if me, the user, wants to plan their grocery shopping for the weekend, uh, I'm going on flip. Uh, I can find there the best deals from the grocery stores that are around me. And mm-hmm. you mentioned you can actually make a basket and see where the best deals are, right? What you can do is you can uh, build a shopping list. So we don't do, uh, we, we're not building currently baskets that you could then like transition to an online. We mm-hmm. do work with some retailers around uh, how we can surface some of their click and collect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at this point, we're not doing e-commerce within the app. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is happening is, 
We set it up so that if you've got those five grocery stores, you can do your hunt and say, you know, I'm trying to decide what I want to cook this week. And I've got these three protein sources I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I'll go to grocery store A, take a look. Okay, this one's the best deal. This one's not. I'm going to add, I'm going to kind of check this one, put this on my shopping list. Mm -hmm. And then I can kind of go to the next one and do a bit of compare and contrast and try and understand where is the the best place for me to do my shop for the week. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and I don't know if you have these insights at hand, but um, I think it would be really interesting to look at the customer journey from, so they enter on the app, they spend some time there, uh, which uh, I have a question on in a bit, uh, yep. and then uh, when they, do they typically bounce onto the store? Do you know if they bounce on to, onto the store and then they convert there right away through online or what's their preferred method of checking out, do they want to click and collect or do they actually want delivery, things like this? It, it varies here. And, and I also think there's there's a difference in terms of how the, the grocery markets themselves have evolved in the different countries. Uh, for us, the lion's share of grocery is still done in person. Um, online is still relatively new in the past few years uh, within Canada and the US. So the, the North American markets in terms of having delivery options uh, and, and buy online, pick up in store, that kind of thing. That stuff is, is relatively nation for us. And so for the most part, the person would be kind of going in determining these are the things I want. And then you'll have different types of shoppers. You'll have the shopper that is willing and interested to go from store to store to store and maybe stop at two or three places. And what they're going to do is they're going to use the app to figure out, okay, what am I getting at store A, B, and C? And then they will build their list so that they can go to those different places. There's others who will have a, a couple of specific things that they're looking for. So they'll have their standing list and they'll go in and then they'll decide, okay, this is the place where I'm probably going to get the most savings on my week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it that way. What's happening now, though, to your point, is we are starting to see uh, delivery companies. We're starting to see stuff like Instacart here in North America starting to grow where um, they will do the, the pickup and bring it to you. Um, and we're starting to see a bunch of the different retailers do their own version of delivery or their own version of the pick, uh, where they'll pick it and then just do the buy online pickup in store. But that's still growing here versus kind of a standard way of doing things. So the customer journey is still very much hands-on grocery shopping. Um, I would say it's it's different if we start looking at some of our other retailers we work with. So obviously Home and Garden, uh, any of the retailers we're dealing with on that side, apparel, uh, those different pieces, we are seeing a lot more movement online mm-hmm. uh, where I think there is a bit more of that opportunity to play kind of the end-to-end game into the conversion side. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Uh, and in terms of the time spent on the app, because that's actually where the research takes place, uh, going back to the price sensitivity and, you know, people having maybe more time to allocate and looking at every buck that they spend. Um, have you found a big increase since, uh, I don't know, March last year compared to the previous period or not so much? It's it's interesting because it's it's been... A tale of two countries, because we're both in the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of the amount of time spent, I, I don't have the numbers at hand. But what I would say is the way that the pandemic impacted uh, the two sides of the border for us was very different and did have an impact on content. Uh, so in the U.S., for example, we saw a lot more supply chain instability in the grocery side, uh, okay. which meant 
that we were there was less content available because some of the retailers just stopped producing mm-hmm. uh, content because they were having trouble keeping stuff on shelves. And so we did see um, some impacts there in terms of the number of publications that people were looking at because that's m- more of our standard measure is mm-hmm. in terms is how many things are people looking at as opposed to the specific amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Canada, uh, the supply chain where grocery in particular it has a few really big players uh, and very national players. And so on that part, uh, it was pretty stable. We actually didn't lose a ton of content. Um, even through the lockdowns, uh, a bunch of the merchants did a really good job of moving to uh, updating their publications quickly and moving to online e-com type stuff um, so that we didn't have as big of a content impact. Uh, and what we have seen, though, to your point, is um, we are seeing increases in the number of publications that people have been looking at on the whole mm-hmm. throughout the year. Uh, and eventually we saw that in the States as well, uh, once the supply chain stuff was able to recover. So we are seeing people spending, looking at more content. So I would presume they're spending more time on the app as part of that. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Uh, and very interesting that uh, the market response was different. I mean, so different from uh, US and Canada. Like you, you guys are more chill, right? <laughs> Or what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you could answer that a few different ways, but the, yes, I, I think that's fair. We're we're a little quieter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so now again, going to this mobile versus desktop. You guys are only mobile, right? Uh, we do have a desktop version as well. Uh, so it's it's mainly like most of our users are working through our app, uh, mm-hmm. but we do have a desktop. So flip.com, you go in there and and you put in your geography. And then you can still see all the the deals on that side. So both are options, yes. And how do you see one compared to the other? Um, Any changes that are notable or in line or expected as we saw a lot of people just abusing mobile more and more? Not a ton. Like the, the experiences are very similar for us in terms of desktop versus mobile and and how people can maneuver through them. Uh, the content is is very similar. I think just based on what it is and and people wanting to have something in hand when they're in store and and that a lot of the shopping, especially in the grocery side, is in person. The mm-hmm. mobile app tends to be a little bit more. Um, not intuitive, but a little bit easier to work with uh, mm-hmm. for a shopping uh, journey there. Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. So basically, going back to the shopping, it's more like uh, this is Friday or Saturday morning. I'm planning my shopping. I'm looking on the app, see what's available, planning my trip, then going to the store, having the app with me, uh, and then just uh, you know coordinating my shopping experience that way. Exactly, and people do it differently. Like for for me, for example, when I go into the store, I'm I'm a little less planful. I know roughly what I want, and then I'll show up at the store. It's like, oh, what do I want? And then I'll I'll actually spend some time on the app. Right at the store, it's like, okay, what else can I get? Or actually, one of the things with pandemic is because the stores are only letting so many people, when I'm standing in line to get into the store, mm-hmm. um, I'll be flipping through the app to try and figure out, okay, well, what are some things that I might also want? And then I'll start adding that to my list. Uh-huh. Um, so that ability to be able to do it on the fly is actually super helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, super insightful. And now let's look at the other thing, <laughs> the marketing element. Uh, this was more around the customer journey and really keen to hear your thoughts uh, on uh, you know how you felt that changed a bit and also in terms of the shopping experience. Uh, but about you guys as a company, uh, you basically have to market to two different groups of stakeholders. You have the retailers and then you have the customers. So different processes, different strategies, uh, different budget, I would assume. Um, 
tell, get us a bit into your world. Like, uh, how does marketing look like in terms of both tactics and operations for you? Sure. Um, so there's a few different pieces. I, I would say we're probably a little bit more refined on the shopper side uh, mm-hmm. versus the merchant side. I think with mm-hmm. the merchant side, uh, we came in and we've developed really deep relationships with a lot of the merchants um, over the years. And, and given kind of what we do, uh, we're a little bit more effective at kind of getting out there, having those discussions and, and managing those relationships. So what we've been focusing on a little bit more um, has been on the shopper side and how we are bringing more users onto the app um, mm-hmm. so that our merchants can more effectively tell their stories. And so we've got a few different pieces as kind of we think through our, our funnel. Um, but the main things or the main areas that we consider are kind of the acquisition side and the retention. Those are the two big focus areas that we've been working on. And obviously mm-hmm. with pandemic, we've been kind of adjusting things in order to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so on, on the acquisition side, it's very much, you know, we're a bit of a utilitarian app. And given that, what are the different ways that we can bring people on? So I think we're, we're pretty effective um, when we're kind of mid-funnel and, and we've got people who've already shown intent. Um, we know that they're looking for stuff they want to shop. So those are easier folks to, to bring online. Um, one of the things that we are thinking through, though, is, is how do we do a better job on, on kind of the pure brand side? How do we effectively and efficiently get ourselves out there, build some better awareness so that we can continue to, to grow people or grow users on the app, bring them in? Because once they're in, and they can see uh, all the stuff that they've got to work with, uh, we're pretty good at holding on to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be kind of the acquisition side. And then we've got a full retention kind of life cycle piece where we're looking at different ways through push through email, uh, different opportunities to kind of continue to highlight, you know, here's the deals that are on. Here's the ways that we can add value to your week and, and continue to push through on that. So mm-hmm. a few different pieces to it. Um, but the, the big thing for us kind of going forward is, you know, how do you continue to build that brand? How do you build emotionally resonant messaging for a utilitarian product? How do you get it out there um, in a cost-effective way? Because things like TV relative to like Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, your, your actual cost of acquisition is going to be much higher and, and you may not actually get a better user out of that. And so we're still trying to balance that. What is the right messaging? What is the effective messaging? Um, and how do we manage that? One of the other things that we're also kind of working through and thinking about is, you know, shopping is a local experience. And, you know, you will see very variation market to market, you know, even Canada versus the U.S. In Canada, we've got a, and and I don't know if you guys have it, but we do something called price matching um, in some of our retailers where if you go into the right retailer and you say, yes, but it's on deal at this place, they will give you the price of the other place. So that's actually something that's reasonably prevalent in in Canada. Well, that makes how a customer or how a consumer would use our app very different. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the U.S., it's a lot more coupon forward. And so you want to make sure you're providing coupons in, in a different experience there. And even in the States, there's different regions and different pieces there. So it's how do you make sure that messaging that you are doing from a marketing and advertising perspective is resonant to the particular locality. So national marketing isn't as clean as what one would hope in some cases. Mm-hmm. Got you. And uh, so you mentioned that the acquisition channels Um you mentioned something that is very fair and I'm happy that you brought it up, which is ensuring that you understand very well the customer persona that you are communi- communicating towards because somebody maybe in New York might be very, very different from somebody in, uh, I don't know, uh, LA or another or Seattle or another, uh, you know, city and region. Um, but 
what seems to be working best for you in terms of user acquisition? Is it uh, organic and referral? Is it Facebook and Instagram ads? Is it Google ads? Is it something else? Um, there's there's a few different channels. Um, obviously organic. Uh, so again, it depends on on where we are. I think we've done a really good job in Canada in particular on, on product market fit. Mm-hmm. And, and organic growth has actually been a big strength of ours and word of mouth. Um, and we are... Like we started as a Canadian app, and I think that has helped us a bit here in terms of getting a good critical mass, specifically in, in Ontario. Uh, and so we are seeing good organic growth that is actually getting out there. So that's been helpful. What we're looking to do is build better on that in the in the U.S. and try and figure out how to kind of get that uh, flywheel going a bit more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, from a pure acquisition perspective, um, it is a lot more of a couple of the channels you mentioned, Facebook, Google, they tend to be the, the main areas that we uh, are looking at in terms of doing kind of more general acquisition spend and then kind of tinkering with the messaging that we're using through those those channels. Mm-hmm. And you have a pretty big community as well. Um, did you find them shouting about anything specifically lately? Because I assume that there's some dialogue there as well from them wanting stuff or inquiring about stuff. Um, there's, there's definitely a couple of things. One of the ones, and, and we've actually just launched a feature in response to it, is uh, we just launched something called the watch list. Mm-hmm. And one of the things people have been asking about is how do they track to certain high ticket items uh, or different items? So they know they want to get a certain laptop so that they put the laptop in the watch list and then they can track to the price. Um, so that's something that we've added to the functionality uh, using a couple different pieces just to ensure uh, that they're able to track to things. So that would be an example of something that they wanted because before, you know, you'd have to go to search every single time and look for something. And so uh, building that feature and, and kind of we're iterating on that right now. Um, another thing that's come out recently and it goes to your, your uh, comment on organic growth is we've just added uh, deal sharing um, or item sharing or, or publication sharing. So as people go into their account, they can say, oh, I found this great deal on this TV at the electronic store. I, I know these other three people want it. Well, now it's it's a pretty simple process to share that deal with somebody. And it, it it's great for us because you basically got a referral there. Um, Say so it's like, hey, we just found this here. Come onto the app and we'll look at it. So those are a couple of features that we've done that have been very much in response to uh, feedback that we've gotten from our users. Mm-hmm. Super cool. And yeah, it's very good for the retailers as well because, you know, free customers <laughs> instead of one. So exactly. <laughs> good move. Awesome. Um, and now looking at uh, 2021, let's see what you guys are, you know, like what you guys are planning, what you guys are foreseeing, what you foresee as a as a professional in this field um, and think maybe it's worth sharing with some of uh, our marketing people here on the show as well. I, I think the big thing for 2021, us looking forward is... I think it's around being nimble, honestly, um, from a marketing perspective, but an overall company perspective. We are still waiting a bit to see what plays next uh, relative to the pandemic, how quickly things go back to quote unquote normal and what does normal look like? So we are tracking very much to our users. Um, We've seen a lot of studies coming in saying that people don't plan on going back to the same behavior as uh, things were pre-pandemic. So are they going to be spending less? So what is that going to do for their their spending habits? So a big thing for us is making sure we're continuing to do some of that research, continuing to do some of that secondary uh, research in order to pull that in and get an understanding of those users. Mm -hmm. Um, One, another big thing for us is I talked a bit about earlier is continuing to work with our partners to accelerate that transition from print to digital um, and doing what we can to make it easier for them. 
The nice thing about some of the digital channels is you can do things a lot more um, quickly and, and as, as things change. So for example, if your inventory changes, well, you want to be able to respond to that by changing some of the stuff you've got on deal. Um, and so one of the things we see happening is that need for responsiveness is going to become less of a nice to have and more of a need to have from the merchant side um, as they continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so we're working on ways with some of our merchants to help accelerate that process and help guide them through that because we're in a good position. Uh, we work with them both on the stuff that goes in the app, but we also work with a lot of merchants on their own sites mm-hmm. and how they surface the deals because uh, they'll put their flyer on their own uh, piece on their website. Um, so we work with them on that. And so we're going to help partner with some of these guys to help them get from point A to point B on that printed digital transition. And that's going to be a huge focus of us for 2021. Um because I think there's this huge opportunity here. And frankly, it will help the retailers weather the storm a lot more effectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. And in terms of the, uh, I tend to go back to this e-commerce aspect a lot, um, but from the retailer side, um, wh- what proportion of the retailers, because we talked a lot about groceries, but then you brought up the laptops and tech mm-hmm. accessories as well. Uh, what What's like a split on the, on flip at the moment, just so I can ask, uh, so I can identify if it's the right question to ask or not. So you have the grocery stores and then you have the other ones. Uh, what would be a proportion? Um, I don't have the proportion right off the top of my head, but what I can say is that we work across all. Um, so I would say a good portion of our, our users are, are going to be grocery focused. Um, mm-hmm. However, we've got really great content coming in. So we work with all of your major home and garden uh, on both sides of the border. Uh, so home and garden, electronics, uh, general merchandising. Um, so across the board, we've, we're getting their content and we're surfacing it. Um, so it depends on the specific user that's in there. So we'll have users that are going to come in and be very focused on just that weekly grocery shop. But we've also got a lot of users who are coming in and trying to figure out, you know, I need a new fridge. Uh, and so you're going to get that at your electronics, or your home and garden. Um, so we've got the content from across the board. Uh, and and we'll continue to to do so. So it's it's we're trying to. I think we originated very much on the weekly shop, um, mm-hmm. but have definitely seen the utility. And you bring somebody in, they're interested in the groceries, but then they find out oh, I can get all this too, and mm-hmm. and we give them access to everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this question would be more looking at that side of uh, bis, you know like stores that are not not so geographically sensitive, um, and the question is something like it's a more complex question but basically they surely run their marketing and advertising they have their you know digitally uh, probably they have their remarketing campaigns and things like this running online on you know social media maybe google as well um in which way is there an opportunity for them to integrate with the platform so that they can facilitate a sale for something that uh, you know they know a user of the app manifested interest towards is there currently a connectivity here or are you guys planning to do something like this is there a demand from the from the sh- retailers there's definitely a demand for better like closed loop testing generally so that they can do better sales attribution and 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 that's kind of across the board so when we work directly with a merchant um, we will depending on on the specific 
elements of that relationship with them. Um, we do have analytics, that kind of thing in behind um, where we will work with them, set up how can we do proper reporting? How can we help them with attribution um, in order to provide that additional value so that they can understand conversion? How many people are going to store? Uh, we are a geographically focused app, so we do understand uh, like if, if um, a little bit of the geography of the people moving around, so we can close the loop in a few different cases. Um, so, so that is definitely something that is of interest. There are other ways that we can do that. So for example, if you click on an item and there is a spot that says shop now, where you can go straight to uh, the website, build a cart, and then we can see that they've converted on a specific item. So we do have opportunities that we do uh, that we can use, and we work with some of our retailer partners on so that they do get that measurement and are able to show utility in that. So mm -hmm. we definitely have some of those uh, integrations in play. Mm -hmm. Super. Okay, this was insightful marketing wrap. Let's go to operations. <laughs> okay. uh, so I know that you worked a lot with the millennials and you've been in contact a lot with this sort of uh, demographic, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> one one thing that I would be uh, keen to hear your thoughts on uh, would be not only working with millennials and actually, you know, implementing processes in this environment, but also uh, more specifically, have you worked with many millennial marketing teams before? So... First off, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I am not a millennial. I miss it by just a couple of years. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest, coming into Flip, this is the first time that I have not been one of the younger people in an organization. Um, most of my other stuff, I was either like starting out or I was in a, a fairly established organization where I was probably one of the younger people at the table. So to your question around, have I worked with a lot of millennial teams uh, in marketing in particular? I would say no. Uh, when I worked in marketing, for example, at Maple Leaf Foods, I would say we were all, like there were a few people who are a couple of years younger than me, but early, early millennial. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of the, the tropes that come along with millennialism probably hadn't landed at that point. Um, so I would say this would be the first time. Um, what I would say, though, about working with them on the whole, and, and this isn't just for Mark, and this would also be for my ops folk, one of the things I love about the generation is the drive for impact. And I, I think that's really true of the marketing folks, too, is things have changed. Like when I first started out, you were happy to have a job, and you did what you were told, and you were excited that they gave you money for it. Whereas now, I think there's more of an expectation that, yeah, I'm going to work. But from your side, I'm expecting you to come to the table and invest in my growth and development. I need you to make me better. And I want to do something that's meaningful to me. Um, I want to do something that drives my own passions. I'm not just here to check the time clock. And one of the great things about this generation as a whole is if you can really tap into that, all that extra discretionary effort that, you know, I'm going to go above and beyond and do these things they're so interested and in, into that because they are so driven. And if you meet them, and, and I look at employment as a handshake, it's two sides. You know, you've got the employee and you've got the leader coming together and you both have to meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. And if you come to the table and you do your part, those people are going to put in the effort. They're going to do the work. They're going to find that extra insight. They're going to do that extra drive because they're excited about the work. Mm -hmm. And they're excited about their opportunity to have an impact. 
Um, so that's been a big learning around trying to figure out how to really engage that. Uh, I would also say a, a couple of other things that have been interesting here would be the con concept of authenticity, mm -hmm. um, both from the purpose of the people you work with, but also from the brand. Um, I think it's important for the, the millennial group to feel like the people who are talking to them are being open and transparent. They're not used to that command and control. Like when I started out, it was again, here's what you're going to do. Why? Because I told you. And, and now it's, you've got to tell them. And, and that's great because that authenticity gives them a chance to push back and say, well, what about this? What about this? And, and, they know and they don't have time. The, the EQ is much higher. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have time for bullcrap. And so um, you've got to come to the table and, and, you know, sometimes be vulnerable and say, yeah, I don't know the answer. What do you think? And, and whatnot. So that has been an, another change in terms of working relationship, but then also from the brand. So as everything has played out over the last year, because um, obviously we've seen some big changes on the social side around diversity and inclusion and, and some, some bad things have happened. Um, and it has brought to light some very important discussions that need to be happening. Well, working in an organization like this with that demographic, that age group, they want to have those conversations. They need to have those conversations and they need to know that you as an organization are authentically coming to the table um, and trying to address that and that you as a brand represent certain things. So for example, coming out of some of the work or some of the stuff last year, um, we've got an outreach team internally and they wanted to do some work to highlight areas around mental health due to the pandemic mm -hmm. or to highlight some of the work around Black Lives Matter. And so we helped give them a form to that, but that's because that's something that's important. And so you as a brand need to stand for it. And this was our way as a brand to try and stand for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, do you have, like, what works well for you? Or if you have any processes or things that you do internally that maybe you implemented or you together with the team that uh, make this millennial ecosystem, let's say, uh, work well and uh, stay motivated and stay on track and stay curious in marketing, but also in other departments? I would say one of the, the, the big things that, and, and I'd love to say we've landed the plane, but we are still trying to land the plane on this, is we're trying to do a much better job of uh, the cross-functional communication and being a lot more deliberate and intentional about it. Mm -hmm. um, we've definitely run into situations in the past where even within the marketing team, you, you get so caught in the day-to-day -day that you, can, you get a bit siloed. And so um, you'll have a team that's working on some really cool brand comm stuff that's not really talking as much with the team that's doing acquisition. Like there's a little bit, but not as much as there should be. And so we're not getting kind of an end-to-end -end experience. And so I think one of the things we're working on right now is doing a much better job of kind of thinking through how all of those pieces to come together. And it's little tactical things. Um, like uh, we've instituted some different weekly meetings and, and, and giving people more of a forum to talk about, this is what we did this week. This is what mm -hmm. we're going to do. Not a full scrum methodology, but kind of that takeoff of making sure that we're having those discussions. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we're working on is we want to make sure we're providing uh, better opportunities for things like shopper empathy across the broader organization. So when we understand things about our shopper, our user, making sure we're getting that stuff out, we're communicating it more broadly. Um, and so people understand the strategy and the why that we're doing things. Mm -hmm. and, and a final thing that's worked for us, because we've grown a lot, like we're, 
we're a few hundred people right now. Um, so we're a big enough organization. And, and especially with people working from home right now, it's a lot easier to not know what the person in the next room is doing. So we've started trying to, within the marketing team, bring in other teams uh, to kind of present. And so, for example, we did a, a pitch. We brought in a couple of our external facing teams and they came in to uh, show us, here's how we pitch flip to a merchant. And these are the things that they're looking for. And so from a merchant empathy perspective, it was fantastic because all of a sudden you're sitting there and saying, oh, well, this bit of research that I've already done like six months ago would really help that slide. And so it does a really good job of, of helping make sure that you understand that there are things outside of your own walls that you can um, contribute to, you can add to. And you have empathy. Oh, this is why these salespeople look like they're so tired. They've been dealing with this. And, and it's fantastic because it's allowing us to be better marketers because we have a better understanding of kind of the end-to-end -end value chain here. So a, a lot of little things like that and just ensuring that the communication is clean and cascaded and, and we're giving people the benefit of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. Shane, it was awesome catching up today. Uh, I was just looking at the time now and it just flew by. I don't know when <laughs> when, when, when we spoke so much, uh, but it was really insightful and really fun as well. Um, now tell us where can people connect with you? Maybe, I mean, uh, if there's an opportunity for people uh, in other like geographies, if you guys plan an expansion anytime, you know, this year or next year, um, and also for the people that are in your geographies, uh, how can you help them, how they can help you, uh, you know, just uh, to facilitate communication further beyond this episode. Cool. Uh, best way to find me is uh, LinkedIn is actually really the only social media that I do. Uh, welcome to not being a millennial. I, I spend more time on LinkedIn than pretty much anything else. Um, so that's where you can find me. In terms of kind of interest in, in the app, if there's retailers who are interested in coming on board, uh, we've got uh, some inbound opportunities through flip.com. Um, and so you can go on there. We've got um, some corporate information there. Um, and people who are interested, uh, there's a lot of information there. And, and for those in North America, download the app, play around. Um, it's, it's a really cool app and, and gets you lots of access. Super cool. Shane, a pleasure having you today on the show. Uh, thanks a lot for all the insights, for being here. Have an amazing year ahead. I'm sure you guys are going to, are going to keep doing great. And uh, let's stay in touch, guys. If you have any questions for myself, for Shane, uh, as always, feel free to reach out either to Shane directly or to myself. And uh, we'll make sure to uh, you know transfer everything and see if there's anything that we can help you beyond uh, the insight here. We'd be happy to, right, Shane? <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> Super. Okay, and uh, until then, um, everybody have an amazing year ahead, as always. Uh, keep up the good work and positive vibes on, and uh, happy shopping. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. See you soon.